section sixteen of the crime of sylvestre bonheur by anatole france this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three i wrote to my housekeeper as i promised that i was safe and sound but i took good care not to tell her that i had caught a cold from going to sleep in the library at night with the window open for the good woman would have been as unsparing in her remonstrances to me as parliaments to kings at your age monsieur she would have been sure to say one ought to have more sense she is simple enough to believe that sense grows with age i seem to her an exception to this rule not having any similar motive for concealing my experiences from madame de gabry i told her all about my vision which she seemed to enjoy very much why that was a charming dream of yours she said and one must have real genius to dream such a dream then i am a real genius when i am asleep i responded when you dream she replied and you are always dreaming i know that madame de gabry in making this remark only wished to please me but that intention alone deserves my utmost gratitude and it is therefore in a spirit of thankfulness and kindliest remembrance that i write down her words which i will read over and over again until my dying day and which will never be read by any one save myself i passed the next few days in completing the inventory of the manuscripts in the lusance library certain confidential observations dropped by m paul de gabry however caused me some painful surprise and made me decide to pursue the work after a different manner from that in which i had begun it from those few words i learned that the fortune of m honore de gabry which had been badly managed for many years and subsequently swept away to a large extent through the failure of a banker whose name i do not know had been transmitted to the heirs of the old french nobleman only under the form of mortgaged real estate and irrecoverable assets m paul by agreement with his joint heirs had decided to sell the library and i was entrusted with the task of making arrangements to have the sale effected upon advantageous terms but totally ignorant as i was of all the business methods and trade customs i thought it best to get the advice of a publisher who was one of my private friends i wrote him at once to come and join me at lusance and while waiting for his arrival i took my hat and cane and made visits to the different churches of the diocese in several of which i knew there were certain mortuary inscriptions to be found which had never been correctly copied so i left my hosts and departed my pilgrimage exploring the churches and the cemeteries every day visiting the parish priests and the village notaries supping at the public inns with peddlers and cattle dealers sleeping at night between sheets scented with lavender i passed one whole week in the quiet but profound enjoyment of observing the living engaged in their various daily occupations even while i was thinking of the dead 
as for the purpose of my researches i made only a few mediocre discoveries which caused me only a mediocre joy and one therefore salubrious and not at all fatiguing i copied a few interesting epitaphs and i added to this little collection a few recipes for cooking country dishes which a certain good priest kindly gave me with these riches i returned to lusance and i crossed the court of honour with such secret satisfaction as a bourgeois feels on entering his own home this was the effect of the kindness of my hosts and the impression i received on crossing their threshold proves better than any reasoning could do the excellence of their hospitality i entered the great parlour without meeting anybody and the young chestnut tree there spreading out its broad leaves seemed to me like an old friend but the next thing which i saw on the pier table caused me such a shock of surprise that i readjusted my glasses upon my nose with both hands at once and then felt myself over so as to get at least some superficial proof of my own existence in less than one second there thronged from my mind twenty different conjectures the most rational of which was that i had suddenly become crazy it seemed to me absolutely impossible that what i was looking at could exist yet it was equally impossible for me not to see it as a thing actually existing what caused my surprise was resting on the pier table above which rose a great dull speckled mirror i saw myself in that mirror and i can say that i saw for once in my life the perfect image of stupefaction but i made proper allowance for myself i approved myself for being so stupefied by a really stupefying thing the object i was thus examining with a degree of astonishment that all my reasoning power failed to lessen obtruded itself on my attention though quite motionless the persistence and fixity of the phenomenon excluded any idea of hallucination i am totally exempt from all nervous disorders capable of influencing the sense of sight the cause of such visual disturbance is i think generally due to stomach trouble and thank god i have an excellent stomach moreover visual illusions are accompanied with special abnormal conditions which impress the victims of hallucination themselves and inspire them with a sort of terror now i felt nothing of this kind the object which i saw although seemingly impossible in itself appeared to me under all the natural conditions of reality i observed that it had three dimensions and colours and that it cast a shadow ah how i stared at it the water came into my eyes so that i had to wipe the glasses of my spectacles finally i found myself obliged to yield to the evidence and to affirm that i had really before my eyes the fairy the very same fairy i had been dreaming of in the library a few evenings before it was she it was her very self i assure you she had the same air of child queen the same proud supple poise she held the same hazel wand in her hand she still wore her double-peaked headdress and the train of her long brocade robe undulated about her little feet same face same figure it was she indeed and to prevent any possible doubt of it she was seated on the back of a huge old-fashioned book strongly resembling the cosmography of munster 
her immobility but half reassured me i was really afraid that she was going to take some more nuts out of her alms purse and throw the shells at my face i was standing there waving my hands and gaping when the musical and laughing voice of madame de gabry suddenly rang in my ears so you are examining your fairy monsieur bonnard said my hostess well do you think the resemblance good it was very quickly said but even while hearing it i had time to perceive that my fairy was a statuette in coloured wax modelled with much taste and spirit by some novice hand but the phenomenon even thus reduced by a rational explanation did not cease to excite my surprise how and by whom had the lady of the cosmography been enabled to assume plastic existence that was what remained for me to learn turning towards madame de gabry i perceived that she was not alone a young girl dressed in black was standing beside her she had large intelligent eyes of a grey as sweet as that of the sky of the isle of france and at once artless and characteristic in their expression at the extremities of her rather thin arms were fidgeting uneasily two slender hands supple but slightly red as it becomes the hands of young girls to be sheathed in her closely fitting merino robe she had the slim grace of a young tree and her large mouth bespoke frankness i could not describe how much the child pleased me at first sight she was not beautiful but the three dimples of her cheeks and chin seemed to laugh and her whole person which revealed the awkwardness of innocence had something in it indescribably good and sincere my gaze alternated from the statuette to the young girl and i saw her blush so frankly and fully the crimson passing over her face as by waves well said my hostess who had become sufficiently accustomed to my distracted moods to put the same question to me twice is that the very same lady who came in to see you through the window that you left open she was very saucy but then you were quite imprudent anyhow do you recognize her it is her very self i replied i see her now on that pier table precisely as i saw her on the table in the library then if that be so replied madame de gabry you have to blame for it in the first place yourself as a man who although devoid of all imagination to use your own words knew how to depict your dream in such vivid colours in the second place me who was able to remember and repeat faithfully all your dream and lastly mademoiselle jeanne whom i now introduce to you for she herself modelled that wax figure precisely according to my instructions madame de gabry had taken the young girl's hand as she spoke but the latter had suddenly broken away from her and was already running through the park with the speed of a bird little crazy creature madame de gabry cried after her how can one be so shy come back here to be scolded and kissed but it was all of no avail the frightened child disappeared among the shrubbery madame de gabry seated herself in the only chair remaining in the dilapidated parlour i should be much surprised she said if my husband had not already spoken to you of jeanne she is a sweet child and we both love her very much tell me the plain truth what do you think of her statuette i replied that the work was full of good taste and spirit but that it showed some want of study and practice on the author's part 
otherwise i had been extremely touched to think that those young fingers should have thus embroidered an old man's rough sketch of fancy and given form so brilliantly to the dreams of a dotard like myself the reason i ask your opinion replied madame de gabry seriously is that jeanne is a poor orphan do you think she could earn her living by modelling statuettes like this one as for that no i replied and i think there is no reason to regret the fact you say the girl is affectionate and sensitive i can well believe you i could believe it from her face alone there are excitements in artist life which impel generous hearts to act out of all rule and measure this young creature is made to love keep her for the domestic hearth there only is real happiness but she has no dowry replied madame de gabry then extending her hand to me she continued you are our friend i can tell you everything the father of this child was a banker and one of our friends he went into a colossal speculation and it ruined him he survived only a few months after his failure in which as paul must have told you three-fourths of my uncle's fortune were lost and more than half of our own we had made his acquaintance at monaco during the winter we passed there at my uncle's house he had an adventurous disposition but such an engaging manner he deceived himself before ever he deceived others after all it is in the ability to deceive oneself that the greatest talent is shown is it not well we were captured my husband my uncle and i and we risked much more than a reasonable amount in a very hazardous undertaking but bah as paul says since we have no children we need not worry about it besides we have the satisfaction of knowing that the friend in whom we trusted was an honest man you must know his name it was so often in the paper and on public placards noel alexandra his wife was a very sweet person i knew her only when she was already past her prime with traces of having once been very pretty and a taste for fashionable style and display which seemed quite becoming to her she was naturally fond of social excitement but she showed a great deal of courage and dignity after the death of her husband she died a year after him leaving jeanne alone in the world clementine i cried out and on thus learning what i had never imagined the mere idea of which would have set all the forces of my soul in revolt upon hearing that clementine was no longer in this world something like a great silence came upon me and the feeling which flooded my whole being was not a keen strong pain but a quiet and solemn sorrow yet i was conscious of some incomprehensible sense of alleviation and my thought rose suddenly to heights before unknown from wheresoever thou art at this moment clementine i said to myself look down upon this old heart now indeed cooled by age yet whose blood once boiled for thy sake and say whether it is not reanimated by the mere thought of being able to love all that remains of thee on earth everything passes away since thou thyself hast passed away but life is immortal it is that life we must love in its forms eternally renewed all the rest is child's play and i myself with all my books am only like a child playing with marbles the purpose of life it is thou clementine who has revealed it to me madame de gabry aroused me from my thoughts by murmuring the child is poor the daughter of clementine is poor i exclaimed aloud how fortunate that is so i would not wish that any one but myself should prove for her and dower her no the daughter of clementine must not have her dowry from any one but me and approaching madame de gabry as she rose from her chair 
i took her right hand i kissed that hand and placed it on my arm and said you will conduct me to the grave of the widow of noel alexandre and i heard madame de gabry asking me why are you crying End of section sixteen